So here we go. Welcome everyone to the CPP Group Talk in the European Parliament in Strasbourg uh, on the next six months of the European Union under the rotating presidency of Sweden. And today there was the Prime Minister of Sweden, Ulf Christensen, who spoke before the plenary talking about how the EU is facing myriad issues, as you well know, about uh, these challenges, the war in Ukraine, inflation, climate change, post-COVID recovery, what else? He wants a Europe that is, quote, greener, safer, and freer, uh, in addition to a lot of other issues that we hope to cover in these next few minutes among my guests, Thomas Tobey, who is head of the EPP uh, Swedish delegation. Welcome. Thank uh, you. You're also chairman of the Development Committee. Uh, and the committee on civil, and you're a member of the civ, uh, committee on civil liberties, justice, and home affairs, Libe, uh, the committee on industry, research, and energy, E-Trade, uh, Anna Michelle Asima Kopoulou, and welcome. You're uh, Greece from Greek. Uh, you're the Greek MEP, vice chair of the committee on international trade, and you're a member of the economic committee, economic affairs, Paolo Rangel. Welcome, Paolo, <coughs> uh, EPP Group uh, Vice Chair uh, on the Libe Committee, Civil Liberties, uh, and on the Committees on Constitutional Affairs and Foreign Affairs. Uh, let me start, kick this off with the war in Ukraine, because that's uh, what uh, the Prime Minister kicked off with. How much more aid can we expect, Paolo, uh, from the European Union? How can that evolve over these next six months, briefly? Well, uh, first I would like to, to, to say that uh, it was really very reassuring uh, uh, listening to Prime Minister uh, uh, Ulf Christensen saying that uh, Ukraine is the priority above yeah. all priorities. Uh, 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 and this has a meaning. And the meaning is that we are going to uh, continue with our financial support, with our humanitarian support, and naturally also with our military support. And I think the, the big challenge we know now is the tanks issue, yeah. where some countries have a major role to play, uh, is the case especially of Germany. Let's see how the new uh, Minister of Defence will behave on this, uh, uh, because this is really very important to the next uh, months. We know that after March, uh, things can evolve in a very, very, uh, I'd say, dramatic manner, mm. either for one side or the other. And so all the help is necessary. Right. Let me move quickly to migration, uh, Thomas, because that is very much uh, your sandbox. And could we see, finally, a pact on migration? Well, I think, uh, I think it is clear for, for everyone uh, that uh, we really have uh, an opportunity now. Uh, we have a, a common roadmap between the European Parliament and the Council, uh, setting out that we should adopt the Migration uh, Pact during this term. Right. And uh, for me, it is now, it's, it's very clear that the Swedish presidency has said very clearly that we need to move uh, beyond the nice words. Uh, we need now to actually sit down and start negotiate. And I think we will see some real progress during uh, the Swedish uh, presidency. Mm. And uh, what is not done during the Swedish presidency, we will have to do during the Spanish okay. presidency. So, so it's not 
definite. It, it depends really on the willingness I mean, of the me, member me states, to, right? To be honest, I mean, it depends. There are some division also here in the European Parliament that we need uh, to clear out. And of course, we know that there are some uh, hard questions to be asked also within within the Council. Yeah. But, but I think everybody kind of realized now that we do have a common border um, and we need to work together between the member states because we cannot put the burden on some frontline member states, right. especially in the south of Europe, Greece, with Greece, Greece, Spain, Italy, Cyprus, Malta. Yep. But also we have seen the, the, uh, the war has also caused, uh, of course, now we're talking about Poland, for yep. example. Right. They have received a lot of refugees. So I think, uh, in a way, uh, I think more countries are today ready in the council to, to share contribute burden. to share burden. To, I would right. say share the burden, but yeah. also to create a management that would mean that we can decrease the irregular migration. Right. Because I think that is the key part. Because if we can do that, then it's also easier to solve the solidarity between the member states. Anna Michelle, I'd love to get you on that as well, because you are one of the frontline states regarding migration. Yep. How optimistic Just, are you that there could be an agreement these next six months? Well, I don't know. Um, just to give you an idea, I mean, Greece has had a million refugees. That's 10% of our population. Yeah. And uh, I was looking at the statistics today, and since 2018, we have saved in search and rescue operations 540,000 people. Hmm. So I don't know if anybody imagines what kind of a burden that is on a, on a society. Um, and on a country. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad that Europe is starting to realize that we're actually their external borders <laughs> and that it's not you yeah. know, a Greek problem. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, when our Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis had Ursula von der Leyen and, and everybody up in our region on Evros, they saw this hybrid attack from Turkey. Right. Weaponizing migrants, which is, you know, it, the problem with this behavior is, you know, if you if you let it happen once, then, you know, other other people get ideas. And that's that's not very good. Yeah. Am I hopeful? Hope, um, yeah. I'd like to be. But, you know, really, this has been a long time coming. I mean, we talk about solidarity, but where is it? You know, yeah. Where is it? Right. So, okay. yeah, it would be nice if the Swedish presidency made progress on this. It really would. Uh, right. Um, Paolo, let, let me uh, move to uh, this other, uh, another issue of rule of law, uh, because that is something that uh, has been debated hotly over these last uh, few years. Um, and Christensen said, quote, we cannot tolerate states restricting media freedom. Yes, uh, and you know what? What sort of progress do you see on that angle? Well, I, I have to say that uh, it is clear that we cannot uh, uh, allow these, uh, I'd say, crises of some democratic regimes across uh, Europe, and we are seeing that clearly in a systemic way in the case of Hungary yes. and Poland. Right. But I think that to make this credible, probably we would need. Uh, a kind of uh, assessment or evaluation that could be uh, could work for the 27 member states in different chapters. Media freedom is one of them. Independence of judicial power judicial, is yeah. another one, yeah. and so on. And here, for instance, we have now, in the case of judicial power, 
uh, I'd say, a struggling problem in, in Spain. And so we should also address mm. these files in different countries in order to make credible the situation in, in, that, in those countries where there is really a kind of more global uh, 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 problem, right. uh, where you see that it's not only the media freedom, it's also the university and the academic freedom, it's also the, 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 the ownership of media. Uh, 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 so uh, uh, we should have equal rules for everybody. Yeah. And when there is one pillar of separation of powers, <clears throat> of rule of law yep. that is at stake, we should have a system where we can prevent. Because what happened with Hungary is that there was a lot of, I'd say, uh, I'd say some, uh, we were condescendent with uh, Hungary. We were expecting a step that never came. And now the situation is very, very difficult to, to, to solve. Uh, so that's why I think that we should reinforce a mechanism that could be applicable to all member states and naturally the ones that are in a red alert situation should also... But here the council right. has a word because uh, it is the council that never applied the Article 7, not even the first part that would be already a step. And so I think that here we should expect also from Swedish presidents, some courage that others before, for yeah. the Portuguese presidency, right. uh, were not capable of. Uh, these, these, are, these are terribly tricky issues to deal with all at the same time and to try to have some kind of um, uh, consensus among the EU27 on these while challenging certain individual ones on certain issues like like uh, like uh, yes. rule of law. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? Yes, this is a very delicate one because yeah. you know that this puts also sovereignty of member states, Absolutely. Uh, their reputation, prestige, some national sentiment. Uh, they are also in discussion when you are speaking about these kind of issues. Yeah. And of course, this uh, uh, makes this problem political politically very sensitive. Right. That is one of the reasons why I think we have here some delays on our uh, uh, roadmap to act. But I wonder, I wonder if, uh, you know, the, <coughs> the, the comment from uh, Manfred Weber, the, the, the head of the EPP group, uh, in responding to Mr. Christensen's speech and saying that, uh, you know, Sweden has, has, has this track record on being able to navigate through these different crises yeah. in the past. It's quite interesting. That, does that maybe give you hope, uh, Thomas, uh, you know, you, you being up, up front and, and close to, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, Christensen I mean, and company that, that, you know, can, can he perhaps this, I mean, this is, this is an uh, EPP-led EPP pro-European government, so in that sense, and ready to do the work. I mean, but we have, we have identified about... 350 items that's going to be negotiated uh, <laughs> in luck. the coming uh, six months. Yeah. And of course, it, it is a lot. And some of the questions are, are harder than, than others. But, right. but, but to be honest, it, it's not really only about uh, the Swedish presidency. This is about, we if we look at this uh, term, I mean, we started out with the pandemic yeah. that basically slowed down the political work at European level and in mem mem member states. Then, of course, we have this awful war that will keep on <coughs> taking a lot of our attention. Yep. But I would say now that we have kind of come to a situation where everybody understands that we also need to deliver on all the other political issues. 
And that's why I think actually there is an opportunity now, uh, the coming six months, that you will actually see some progress uh, on many different issues. Of course, not everything will be perfect, but I do think that things will move ahead. And I remember when we had the Czech presidency, there were very, very low expectations, but I would say my general feeling is that they right. over-delivered. Indeed. Uh, well, good. Yeah, but so, uh, I mean, there, there, there is an opportunity, to be honest, also for small countries to sometimes uh, deliver in a way that perhaps not is always expected. Um, okay, let, let me move uh, back to uh, Anna Michelle about trade, because that being very much your sandbox. Here I'm optimistic. And, good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's hear some optimism on that. Or the thing is, that right now there's there's pretty much a head-to-head with the U.S. Yeah. About these uh, yeah, subsidizing uh, its green transition. That's not so great. And, but, and yeah. uh, maybe sucking away some uh, business and jobs in that sure. direction. So sure. how do we settle this sure. with uh, between the two uh, biggest trading partners in the world, right? Yeah. Amongst amongst each other. Yeah, well, well, let's uh, start by getting our own house in order and start doing some trade deals. I mean, we've got, you know, okay. Chile and New Zealand. Yeah. Agreed. Australia's okay. And, yeah. you know, let's push. Let's re- revive Mercosur, Mercosur, maybe. Yeah. You know, let's talk about Indonesia. Let's talk about India. Let's do trade deals. I said I was optimistic because I think it's sort of in the Swedish political DNA to, yeah. you know, yeah. promote free trade. Yeah, so. in fact, that, that was interesting that, that Christensen wasn't wasn't talking about whacking back at the Americans on that, on that sure. subsidy. Let's just make ourselves more competitive exactly. through trade. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that I, that's the only it. solution, really. I mean... I think that the limited amount of negotiations that have happened between the U.S. and Europe at the moment about the Inflation Reduction Act show that that's it. Mm. It's not changing. I mean, little tweaking here and there is not going to make a big difference. This is the age we're in now. You know, trade is being weaponized. Trade is uh, people, uh, countries have protectionist tendencies because they've been through all these crises where, you know, People are worried about whether they're going to have the basics. And the end, of, uh, the end effect of that, of protectionism is destructive, right? Protectionism is destructive, but protection is not a bad idea, okay. you know. And, 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 and neither is what we're calling now strategic autonomy. You know, okay. people, people are like, oh, strategic autonomy, you know, that's, it's not the same thing as protectionism. No, it's it's uh, securing raw materials, for instance. Securing right. raw okay. materials. But either way, you have to work with like-minded partners. I mean, right. you have to open yourself up. The question mm. is, can you open yourself up and can you work with like-minded partners so that you have secure sources of what you need and also a diversified choice of where you get that stuff from right. and reliable partners. And that way you don't get to be blackmailed. Right. So, right. you know, Europe is fortifying its own protection toolbox with the procurement instrument, with the mm-hmm. foreign subsidies instrument. But I mean, and, and now I'm, I'm hoping that during the Swedish presidency, we can finish with the anti-coercion instrument. I mean, look at okay. what China did to Lithuania. You know, it's blocking 80% of its exports because it's upset with Lithuania. That's using for a trade cozying up to with coerce. the Taiwanese. Yes, yeah. it's mm-hmm. using a trade tool. I yeah. mean, so we need as Europe to be able to fight back to say, yeah. you know, we're not going to put up with coercion or blackmail. But that means that we have to have choices. Yeah. You know, we saw this in the energy crisis. You know, we were too dependent on Russian gas. Now, you know, we can't be so dependent. So Absolutely. it's the same thing. Trade deals are a good thing, and I hope that it's time to get some across the line. It would right. be nice in this mandate to do that. Okay, greener, safer, freer. The first word was greener. What about this green transition? 
uh, as we're struggling with inflation and high energy prices and so forth. How, what, what solutions do you see, uh, Thomas, in that that, that uh, the Swedes will push ahead with? In, and, and this is about creating jobs at the same time. Right? Of course it is. Uh, I mean, I mean, jobs, I mean, jobs, jobs. On the, on the legislation part, I mean, we will try to finish everything in the climate package of Fit for 55, for sure. But I think perhaps the big political uh, question, and, and it's been quite clear uh, since, the war, since the war started, and that, mm. that we have too much uh, gas dependence in Europe. Right. And of course, uh, we need to move away from that. And of course, we need to invest a lot in renewables. Right. Uh, but I also think that we will have a serious question, and this is more politically sensitive. I also think that we, we do need to have a question about nuclear, because I think for some member states, this will be one of the solutions also that we need to invest in. Right. And basically, this will come down to that we have to make sure that we have both Germany and France on the same side on this energy That's transition. That's going to be tricky, isn't it? That it is. But I think that that is the political question that we need to see some progress. Uh, mm. Because we cannot have this situation where we have some countries um, that are basically blocking the development that we actually need. Because in my assessment, when I look at energy security, reaching the climate goals, creating jobs, for me it is clear that we will need everything that is fossil free. Yeah. Uh, and that means both renewables and nuclear, for example. Okay. Um, Paolo, I want to do a shift to um, uh, the issue of war crimes. I want to go back on the, mm -hmm. uh, the Ukraine war issue. And how, uh, in these next six months, can Europe help to lay <clears throat> the groundwork for a war crimes trial at the end of this war? Well, uh... I think that we have here two dimensions. One that is crucial is uh, uh, to have the technical tools and the teams that can, at this moment, uh, uh, gather the evidence on the ground. Okay. For me, this is the most important, even more important than establish a court now. Uh, uh, of course, if we can establish a court for our crimes, uh, uh, this would be, uh, I'd say, ideal. Right. But it's much more important to preserve the evidence, uh, the evidence yeah. because I'm sure that after the war, we'll have all the means to uh, uh, create and install a court if we are not uh, able to do it before. Yeah. So for me, it's much more important that we have uh, proofs of the war crimes that were committed uh, uh, on the ground of battle. Uh, and we have now a lot of evidence, at least the media have reported a lot of evidence that, uh, that seems uh, really pertinent yeah. to a trial like this. Right. For me, this is the most important. A second dimension is working on this uh, uh, war uh, court and this war tribunal. Here, I have to say that we have to be very cautious to grant, to grant all the independence and impartiality. This okay. should not be a, um, a court of the winners, but a proper court with all the guarantees of independence, impartiality, right. and that will judge the suspects and that will condemn the ones that are guilty. Okay. And if they are not, that they can be uh, naturally uh, not condemned. Yeah, and, and, and what about getting uh, 
Russian assets to help pay for the re reconstruction of, uh, of Ukraine? Here, I'm, I'm a bit more cautious, yeah. probably not so enthusiastic as some members of the EPP, because I think that we have experience of post-war environment. And normally, we should not humiliate the ones that will be defeated. We should give them some conditions uh, in order to reconstruct uh, themselves and to recover. Uh, and also, of naturally, to change their regime and their rules, of course. But so here, I, I have to say, it's natural that some uh, uh, amounts uh, and assets uh, 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 will be naturally transferred from Russia Hmm. to the reconstruction of uh, Ukraine. Okay. But uh, let's be a bit cautious about uh, this, because what I think is very important is to defeat Putin's regime, to have a regime change in Russia, and then to see how we can work with them, because they will be there in any case. Okay, and part of that effort is sanctions. And where, do, where could sanctions evolve? Anna Michelle, on, on, on a trade level, how much could that be tightened without hurting Europe itself? I'm thinking about Greek shipping, for instance. Well, yes, okay. Look, there's a price to pay for freedom. And, you know, when, when, you, when you impose sanctions, there's damage done to yourself as well. But yeah. what's the alternative? Not to impose sanctions? I mean, right. it's a war, you know. Okay. Wars have casualties. And so financial casualties are part of this. Okay, but how should they be tightened at this point? Because... We've done a lot so far. How much further should it go? As far as we can. I mean, as far as necessary. You can't back off. I and mean, that's right. the worst thing you can do is, you know, go halfway and then start turning back. Yeah. Um, okay. And, and we need to also work with them. You know, we work with everybody else. I mm -hmm. mean, on doing it together. And also get upset at people who aren't doing it. I mean... You know, you can't be imposing sanctions and then, you know, Turkey finds a way to, you know, let them circumvent everything. Yeah. I mean, that, that doesn't do anything, you sure. know, I mean, exactly. so. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, maybe, uh, you know, I want to ask about, uh, about uh, accession talks, about enlargement of the Western Balkans. Do you have anything to contribute on that, on, on the Western Balkans? I mean, uh, what I would say is that I think, um, I mean... Before, before uh, the horrible war started, mm. I would say that we had a very important discussion uh, within the union that basically saying that it is important that um, we need, of course, there's always the geopolitical dimension. Uh, it is important. Uh, yeah. And of course, it is in Russia's and many others' interest, uh, interest um, to not uh, see a bigger European Union, yeah. of course. Um, and, of course, we have kind of stated that, and we do have some um, challenges within the union now, and, of course, we have had some discussions basically saying that perhaps we need to have some very, very clear conditions. Mm -hmm. And I think we have kind of learned our lesson there. But with but, but all that said, I would say that it is in the interest now uh, to, of course, give uh, a very positive uh, signal uh, when it comes to the Western Balkan. That's why it's been mm. also in, been important uh, with Ukraine, right? Because um, this is this is the direction. This is the geopolitical battle that is ongoing, uh, and that's that's what we need to do now. Yeah. How? But how much? I mean, Paolo, how much? Uh, speaking of rule of law, um, how much could maybe we be a bit soft on certain stipulations to allow the, these uh, Balkan countries in? 
uh, uh, because I, out of the rationalization that they're better in than out at this point. As you know, I'm very much involved in this process because I'm standing rapporteur for Bosnia-Herzegovina. Voilà. But I have to say that the rule of law is really the most difficult point. Uh, because if with member states now that were impeccable in their uh, uh, path to democratization, we have now problems. Uh, of course, we'll have some problems with countries that now they are very, very, uh, let's say, we have a lot of concerns about especially the independence of judiciary and the fight against corruption. And this will apply to uh, almost uh, all the candidates. Uh, uh, some mm. are in a more difficult uh, situation than others, but yeah. it's really... Uh, so I, I fully support the idea of having uh, 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 the Western Balkans inside the European Union. I know how important this is geopolitically. Uh, we have been giving them very good signs in the last months uh, towards uh, North Macedonia, Albania, uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina, even to Kosovo. Right. Um, we know that Serbia was in this situation that is very ambiguous in the case of the Ukraine war. Uh, Montenegro, that was, uh, I'd say, the front runner, is now also in a situation that is not so, I'd say, uh, good as uh, it was before. So it's really difficult. So we have to involve ourselves much more there. That okay. is my my is that sometimes we are a bit distracted because. We had the pandemic, we had the war, yeah. we had a lot of problems inside the European Union. Probably we should commit ourselves more in order to help them to do this process. Yeah, because because uh, yeah. it will be very dangerous to have them inside without solving That's previously yeah. some... As uh, we learned the hard way after the Big Bang of 2004, yes. there were some, as you said, but the longer we wait, the more it might empower those zero anti-euro factions within those countries, Yes, right? and you Isn't see, especially foreign interference, Russia, China, and Turkey, these three, are totally, I, I, I wouldn't say quite active, they are 100% active in, in, all, all, in all these countries, yeah. and some with more success than in others, and this is naturally something that is matter for concern. Uh, Anna Michelle, I mean, Greece being right there in the neighborhood, <laughs> what, what's in it? What's in it for the EU? What's in it for Greece to take those countries in? as problematic as they are. You know, Greece has always been in favor of that. I mean, really? you know, obviously we want to, you know, we'd like to have neighbors who share our values and our, you know, democracies and are in the, let's say, Western sphere of influence. Right. Um, but like Paolo said, I mean, you know, there, the question is, where do you draw the line? I mean... Okay, the Ukraine was a largely symbolic move. Everybody knows they're not sure. ready. You that's know, going to take a long we time. did it yeah. for a different reason. Um, but that's not the case with Montenegro, for example. Uh, but I, I, I agree with with uh, with Paula. We we've got to push on in that direction. I think ultimately, if I had to, you know, if I had to choose which way to go, I'd weigh in favor of moving more quickly in order to make sure that they don't leave our sphere of influence or go some yeah. in another direction. Right. I, you know, I think, <coughs> you know, I'm not saying compromise completely, but certainly, mm -hmm. certainly move forward. Okay. Um, one quick thing about, about uh, Chris Tristan's government. Yeah. Because they are in alliance, they have an alliance with the far right, right? They're not, the far right is not in the government, but there's an agreement. 
And I saw some headline on, uh, from one of the publications in Brussels asking whether the Swedish government is a hostage to the far right. What do you think? Well, <clears throat> I, I think everybody has to, to understand the situation that Sweden were in, and, and we just yeah. had, had elections. Uh, in Sweden, we have huge uh, problems uh, when it comes to gang-related uh, crime. Uh, I mean, we have uh, the most deadly shoots in Europe. Mm. Sweden is the number one uh, in Europe. Mm. We have huge problems when it comes to integration. We used to be a country that could be proud of our energy mix. Uh, now we have huge problems uh, in that sense as well. And that is basically, I would say, why the voters were looking for an alternative. And what we have done now is that we have created an agreement where we actually deal with this substance that we need to, we need to, to deal with these challenges because anyway, that, is, that right. is expected from the Swedish citizens. Right. Um, then, of course, there is a big difference between my party and the Sweden Democrats, for sure, and especially when it comes to European uh, affairs. I mean, many times I look at the issues of migration, climate, I think European solution. They are more nationalistic oriented. So, of course, there are differences between our parties, yeah. but we have been very clear now. We have presented a pro-European program for the Swedish presidency. As we it, is very, today. it is very clear yeah. on all the issues of climate, migration, rule of law. Yeah. So I think if, if I listen to, to some colleagues from the left side, I think they are kind of listening to the more of the, the Swedish election debate. They are still there mentally. Uh, and But of course, I would say the proof is in the pudding. Uh, let's see what, is, what we actually will deliver. Uh, and hopefully after six months, uh, yeah, we can be proud of the Swedish uh, EPP-led presidency. Great. Uh, Thomas, Anna, Michelle, Paolo, thank you so much for joining me. A lot of whiplash here, going from one issue to the other. But <laughs> yeah, I tried to cover as much ground as I possibly could, and I think we did. I think it was great. Thank yeah. you, Chris. Thanks, everybody, for being with us on this uh, EPP talk here in the European Parliament. Uh, keep in mind, at EPP Group, and eppgroup.eu for any further information. Uh, my name is Chris Burns. See you next time.